0: And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you, Hannah. Well, good morning again. Uh, I'm Tim. And um, just maybe you're not used to coming to church, just for about 20 minutes, I want to speak from that passage that Hannah's just read. But before we do that, why don't we pray together that God would speak to us? Let's pray, shall we? Well, thank you for the way that you transform people's lives and you bring your hope in the darkness. Thank you for your story in Sam's life and what you're continuing to do and we pray for your good news your power to be at work in us today so give us ears to hear what you have to say amen amen well at some point uh, in every Christian's journey for people who are following Jesus we come to realize that God wants to use us Um, as well as seeing how much God loves us personally and the depth of friendship that we can have with him, we can come to see how much he's called us to go and to share his love with those around us and be in the world that he so loves. And I wonder if you've ever uh, thought of that. Have you come to that realisation that God wants to use you? He knows you and he loves you and he wants to use you. And perhaps the clearest way that we can see and understand this is when the, when we read Jesus's commands, when we see that what we are called to do. And uh, today and over the next two weeks following this, we're beginning this new sermon series where we consider Jesus's command that is called the Great Commission. And it's this moment where, following the Easter story, here we are the week after Easter Sunday, we see the risen Lord Jesus stands before his closest followers, and he gives them a commission. And it's, it's, uh, it gets called the Great Commission. And it's simply this, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. And that command that Jesus gave to his disciples then is our command too. The commission that he gave then is our commission now. The Great Commission is your Great Commission. God wants to use you to fulfill this command that he gave. Well, if that's true, then I think we'd better understand what it means. So what we're going to do is we're going to take, and I promise you we won't be here forever, but we're going to go through this word by word, okay? I promise you it won't be forever. We're just going to take a few of these words and go through them and understand what that means for our lives. So we're going to split up verse 19. So let me just read again from verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So let's just take verse 19, shall we? And let's start with this word. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Jesus said. Therefore. Now you might be wondering why we start with that word. Why is it an important thing to pick up on? Well, it's important to point out because it's a connecting word that Jesus uses to show that he gives his command to go and make disciples in light of what he's just said in verse 18. So, what does Jesus say in verse 18? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. The risen Lord Jesus, having just defeated death, has been given authority by his Father. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go you see this command to go is in light of the fact that he is in charge when Jesus says all authority has been given to me what he's saying is I rule and I reign over everything there isn't a person place particle penguin you name it that isn't under my command it isn't under me you see, Jesus isn't just, if we're calling ourselves a Christian here today, he isn't just our Lord and our Saviour. He's the Lord of everything and everyone, whether they acknowledge that truth or not. Now, this truth is actually symbolised in something that's going to happen uh, at King Charles's coronation. So, um, on the 6th of May, when King Charles gets... Um, Crowned, he's going to have a crown placed on his head and he's going to be given various objects and this is one of them, we can just leave that slide up. This is a 30 centimetre orb, it's made of gold, it's got 777 precious stones on it and it is called the Sovereign's Orb and I wonder if you can notice the design of it. It's an orb with a cross on top of it and what it represents is the fact that Jesus signified in his cross rules over the whole of planet Earth. And it's the reminder to the king or queen of England that their kingship or queenship, that just sits under the true king, who's the King Jesus. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and it's just like this. I'm over everything. I'm in charge of everything. And therefore, he says, go. In light of that truth, Therefore, go. This has two things just to point out. Firstly, he has the authority to send us to anywhere because there isn't anywhere that's outside of his command. There's no country or place where he couldn't call us to go. But also, it's that bit where, and this is maybe the challenging bit where we see, Jesus' authority is above every other thing that pretends to have authority. When we go to people we go with Jesus who says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. I'm not a way, a truth and a life. I'm it. I'm the Lord of everything. I'm the only name under heaven and earth by which you can be saved. That is the name of Jesus Christ. So Jesus has been given all authority, which is why he says, therefore. Now, as I said, we're not gonna take all morning to do this, but let's just take the next word, shall we? Which is this. Jesus says, verse 18, He came to them and said, "All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit." Jesus called to His disciples then, and his call to us now is to go, to go with His good news, to go to everyone everywhere with the truth that He's Lord. And as I said, God wants to use you. He loves you and he's called you to know him and walk in friendship with him. But also he wants to use you to bring others into that kind of same friendship and relationship that you have and that you experience. And when Jesus says go, on one hand that is very, very literal. Like he really means go from this physical place to another physical place think of it as like a what happens at the start of the 100 meters at the Olympics all the people get there they do that limber up if you're Usain Bolt you're like you're winking at the camera I used to love all that but the the race comes and they get on their blocks and then the starter gets there and when he pulls the trigger what does it mean go and get on with it like sharpish from here to over there as quickly as you can and when Jesus says go, it has that kind of sense because it has that kind of urgency. Now is the time to go. And also it has that kind of physical travel sense, like go from this place to another. Because Jesus says, go, and make disciples of all nations. And he really meant go and tell people who aren't just in Israel, who aren't just in the Mediterranean, but around the whole world. And for some of us, God will call us in that kind of way this kind of traveling ministry where he's called us from one physical place to another. And if you think about it, that is the only way that the gospel ever travels. Here we are, two and a half thousand miles away from where Jesus gave that command. Why? Because someone took this command seriously and traveled with the good news. And maybe God's calling you to to, uh, minister this in that kind of way. Or maybe you've already traveled somewhere and you've already kind of are walking in and have received this call. But I think there is another sense here when we hear this word go. It doesn't just have a literal sense because I think there's a very real way in which we can all fulfill this. God has called all of us to this. We can fulfill it even if we lived in the same place our whole life. Because I think just as like a starter's pistol is this call to go in a physical way, this word go from Jesus can just be this kind of trigger for our heart and our mind, this reminder that God wants to send us and that our personal relationship with him isn't just this private thing, but that whoever you're with and wherever you are, you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. As in, you can be at the bus stop and you're representing Jesus. You can be at the school gate and you're representing Jesus. You can be on a Zoom call and you're representing Jesus. Now, for some of us, as I talk about this, going starter's pistols, it's all quite hectic. And you think, hey, I'm just maybe not in that place myself. I'm not sure about the strength of my own relationship with God. And I just say this, if you want to grow in your friendship with God, it's actually often when you respond to his call to go that you really see growth. Because it's so often when you try and do something that you can't do in your own strength that you have to rely on his So this command to go doesn't just have the potential to transform everybody's life. It actually can transform ours as well. So Jesus says, therefore, go. Should we take our next word? Let's do that together, shall we? Verse 19, therefore, go and, here's our word, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And here's a great promise. And surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. In a moment, we'll just come to what that next word is, disciples, but let's just focus on this word, make here, that Jesus says. Really strikes me that that is such an active word. Go and make disciples. It reminds me of what Jesus said when he sends out the 72. You can read about that in Luke 11. Jesus says, heal the sick. He doesn't say, I'll heal the sick as you go, although I guess that's implied. He says, you heal the sick. And he says to his disciples here, you make disciples. Isn't that interesting? Not I'll make them, although we can imply that from other things, but there's such an active partnership collaboration thing happening. We are so representative of him that he actually says to us, you make disciples. And it is an active word. Just look at verse 20. Jesus says, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. In other words, Jesus is saying, you go and do the things that I've been doing with you for three years. See, when you read about Jesus' ministry, you might think about well, the fact that he lived a perfect life so that on the cross he can die in our place You might think about the way that he was a great moral example for all generations who'd read about his teaching and so on. And that is all true. But also what Jesus did in his years of ministry was make disciples of the people who followed him. And he would teach them, and he would send them on trips, and he'd give them feedback. See, he was in this process of making disciples, people who were with him, people who were becoming like him, and crucially, people who are doing the things that he did. And God wants to use you to do that same kind of work that Jesus did, informing other people who follow Jesus. And some clever person has used three T's to describe this kind of work. Remember, nothing's official in the Christian world unless it begins with the same letter, okay? Here are the three words telling, teaching, and tending. Telling, teaching, and tending. Someone's used this just to try and summarise what this kind of making disciples really means. So firstly, there's like a telling thing that has to happen. In other words, people have to hear about Jesus. The word gets used here is evangelism. We need to tell people the good news. There's a teaching thing that God wants us to do. As in passing on what we know, Jesus said, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So as you understand these commands I've given you, pass them on. Encourage the people to do the same thing. Telling, teaching, and then tending. And that's to do, I think, with really caring for people. See, God uses those telling, teaching, and tending things to bring his transformation. Just think about God's story in Sam's life. Someone like Sam, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, Sam needs some tending, some care, some love, as she learns to follow Jesus. We all do. We need to hear about God's good news. We need to be taught how to follow him, and we need to be cared for. And God wants to use you to do those kinds of things. Now I was gonna give an illustration with this about with a house plant. I was gonna have my house plant, and I was gonna show it to you. But my house plant is in such a bad state that I was a bit embarrassed about actually bringing it on stage. But think about it like a house plant. What do you do with a house plant, or a plant in general? Someone's got to plant the seed, it's got to grow, and when it grows, it's got to be watered, cared for, and fed. Maybe trained. sometimes, some plants, the plant I have, has a wooden stick that you can tie it to so that it grows up, or in my case, grows up and then basically dies, because I haven't done the things that you need to do with it. We're all a bit like that kind of houseplant. The Word of God needs to go in, And then it needs to be cared for, even pruned, and so on. Let me give you two, really, or a couple of practical ways to do this. See, next week, as we go through this series, we're gonna be thinking about different things about this same passage. And next week, especially, Ed's gonna think about how we do this kind of thing. But here's one way. Bring someone along to the Alpha course at HCC. And it might be too last minute to do this time, this on Tuesday, although you might wanna try. But just bring someone along. Bring someone along to the first week. Maybe it's someone at work that's had some interesting questions for you and you just think, actually, you know what? A great place for you might be to come to this course. Now, that might seem like such a big step, but it's such a tangible, practical way that you can bring people along. They can hear some good news. They can ask their own questions and this kind of teaching thing can begin to happen. This disciple-making thing can begin to happen. So you can bring someone to Alpha. You might want to help if you don't already and thank you to all of you that do might want to help at one of our children's groups there's such important work that happens with young children with teenagers it's so important that young people hear and receive the good news about Jesus Christ and are taught in what it is to follow him so you might want to volunteer here but also I think some of this stuff's really seasonal so if you're a parent here I think the main way God might be calling you to fulfill this at the moment is with your own children. God is calling you with the children that he's blessed you with to make disciples of them, to tell them the good news, to teach them how to follow Jesus and to tend, to care for them. Not that, of course, uh, being a parent is the only way you can fulfill this. God has called us all to this, but it is this disciple-making work. But let's understand, finally, when Jesus says, go and make disciples. Let's just take our final word, shall we? Let's do, shall I read the same passage again? I shall, let's do it. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So what is a disciple? Well, just... We could point to so many parts of the Bible that tell us what a disciple is, but just using this passage, a disciple is, firstly, someone who submits to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. You think about Jesus saying, all authority has been given to me. Well, a disciple is someone said, I believe that you are who you say you are. And when you say you're Lord, I believe that to be true. But I don't just uh, uh, consent to that in my head, I also live that out in my life. My faith is expressed. So one of the ways, well, there's two ways here that that faith gets expressed. Firstly, the faith gets expressed in baptism. Jesus said, go and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teach them to obey everything everything I've commanded you. So a disciple is someone who consents to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, who has faith in him, and expresses that faith in baptism and obedience with a life lived under Jesus. And it's at this point, can I just say, if you've never been baptised before, we would love to encourage you to do so. On the 21st of May, uh, you can come and you can be baptised. And baptising is this process where you're taken under the water, symbolising death to new life. And it's just part of the way God calls you to live in obedience to him. To express your faith, saying, Lord, I'm calling on you to be saved. Maybe you were baptised as a child. Um, You can reaffirm those vows that were made in the same process as well it's this really significant part of our discipleship to Jesus that he is calling us to encourage others to do so maybe there's someone you know and you sort of know about their journey and their stage and you might just want to say hey have you ever thought about being baptized have you ever been baptized would you like to you might just want to put that to them because Jesus says go and make disciples of all nations teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and there's this meant to be this self-perpetuating cycle that happens. So Jesus says, go and, go and tell them to do everything I've told you to do. And what has he just told them to do? Go and make disciples of all nations. So this command, this commissioning, is meant to be this ongoing process as we fulfill all that Jesus has called us to do. Therefore, go and make disciples. And I wonder What's going through your mind as you as you think about this? I hope it isn't too much like, as the Americans might say, drinking from a fire hydrant. You could probably do a sermon each on those words. What does it mean to make disciples? You could do a whole thing on that. What is a disciple? There's a whole like, it's a sermon series, frankly. But we need to get out of here soon enough, so let's not go on too long. I hope it's not too much, because it might be overwhelming firstly from a man I've just I'm just thinking about sort of my own stage, my own relationship with God. There might be a question for us of our own inadequacy for this task. When I say God wants to use you, and I sincerely mean that, and I sincerely see that that is what comes through from this passage, you might think, I'm not up to that task. Tim, that is for people, maybe like you, who are, have a dog collar and are sort of professionals at the job. That can't be for me. Or maybe it's just a question of like, where does this fit in my own life? Because there's a lot going on. And that could be a lot going on just with the normal things of work and and your family or whatever. Or it could be just because the circumstances of your life are really tough right now. And you're thinking, where does this call of Jesus fit in my life? Well, however you feel, and I want to encourage you to think about this today and then over the next few weeks. However you feel when you hear this call of Jesus If you feel like you're inadequate, that doesn't discount you. Just think about the disciples that Jesus was speaking to. Let's look at verse 16 and 17. I think it's really important that you point out these verses from the start of our little passage. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, this is verse 16, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, In this moment, the risen Lord Jesus has come back, just as he promised he would. And how do they respond? Well, they are a mixed bunch, right? Some worship him, and some, with Jesus literally in front of them, some doubt. And there'll be some of us here today, and or just maybe that is a description of how we might feel today. There's some of us who hear this, and you're like, yes, amen, I'm so for this. There's this kind of worshipful response. And for some of us, maybe it is more doubtful. As Jesus stands before you and says, I've called you with all the gifts I've given you in the season of life you're in right now to fulfill this. You might think, no way. How could, and your doubts will get in the way. But that doubt that the disciples had, that some of them had in that moment, did not disqualify them. Because those guys that doubted, some of them, God used so powerfully and mightily for him. Your doubt doesn't disqualify you. Your sin doesn't disqualify you. It's been paid all at the cross. Your lack of training or awareness or how do I do this doesn't disqualify you. And all I'd encourage you to do today as you hear this call from Jesus to go and make disciples of all, even of all nations just to pray that really simple prayer that says, Lord, okay, here I am, send me. Okay, Lord, If that's what you're calling me to do, okay, send me. That kind of prayer of yielding, of kind of submitting, of saying, okay, Lord, I'm gonna need you to tell me what that looks like. I'm gonna need you to give me your power. I'm gonna need to rely on that promise that you make that says you're gonna be with me to the end of the age. But okay, Lord, if that's what you're calling me to, then I'll give my life for that, however you called me to do it.